the last couple of weeks we have been in the book of Daniel, it's full of visions, full of dreams concerning end times. And it's, it's fantastic what God showed Daniel. And Daniel seen right down to the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. And amazing prophecies that we've, what we've looked at, different images and different things like that. But you know, this here prophecy here is one of the greatest prophecies in all of Scripture. Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And the reason I talked about all of those things and um, the other things was because I wanted to leave this one because this really is the icing on the cake for me. I love Daniel's 70-week prophecy um, because it helps you with your timelines. Because as we've been showing, the church is not in the tribulation period. With a coming tribulation, we won't be there as Christians. Amen. We will be raptured if we're still alive. We will be raptured out of the planet before that happens. And Daniel's 70-week prophecy is one of the greatest prophecies for showing that. Um, and, you know, so we're going to get into this as well tonight. There's a few mathematical things in this this evening. Um, and so I'm going to do the, the simple version. I'll, I'll, I'll say what the, the equations kind of things are, but I'm going to give the answer, okay? Um, not everybody likes doing maths. Not everybody likes doing maths in school, so we don't want to maybe come to church and do maths as well, Okay. But you know, um, if you have money and you need to change money, okay, like say, like years ago going on holidays, remember when you used to get potatoes? We used to all call them potatoes, but anyway, remember when you used to go and get your potatoes when you'd be going to Spain or whatever? And you know what, you'd go up and you would get, you know, whether you got the cash or whether you got traveler's checks back, back in the day. And, um, but you would, you would change. So you'd go in and you would say, Do you know what, whatever money you had, and you say, you know what, I'm putting that down, thousand or whatever you say, we're going away. And um, you know what, they will give you the exchange rate. You know what, there's a mathematical way of working out the exchange rate, okay? But how many of you know that you can just get the answer if you just go and ask, okay? That's what it'll be like tonight. There is an equation, but I'm going to give you the answer. I'll show you it, but I'll give you the answer as well. Um, because like, sometimes when you get into these things, it can be hard on the noggin. But the most important thing is that we see our timeline tonight. That's the most important thing, okay? Now, let me look over in um, 1 um, Corinthians as well. And I used this verse a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth hearing this verse over and over again when you look at end time prophecy. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 32. And it says here, Give none offense, neither to the Jews... To the Gentiles, nor to who? The church. Okay? So you have three groups of people. And when you go to the Bible, there are three groups of people that are mentioned. Okay? You have the Jewish people. The Jewish people are the direct descendants from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? So if you came directly from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're a Jew. Okay? The Gentiles are everybody else. Okay, and then the church are people who were Jew and Gentile who got saved. Okay, so when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you become part of what you become part of the church. Thank God we have been redeemed. Okay, and so we're the saved. You know what you can call us, whatever blood bought you. You know we're in Christ. You know we're part of His body. Once you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, God sees you in the church, okay, in the body of Christ. So there's Jews, 
who are the direct descendants from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then you have um, the Gentiles, who's everybody else, other nations. And then you have the church. And there's people in the church from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Praise God. Amen. Jesus died for all. And removes all racism. Once you, once you become a believer, racism, and you get a revelation of it, it's, it's, it's like it's gone like that. Because we're all, at the end of the day, from one blood. Okay? Because we all came from Adam. But Jesus died for us all. And so thank God his blood paid the price for every human being on the face of planet Earth who was born or whoever will be born. And so let me tell you, it doesn't matter what a person's white or black or green or purple or whatever color they are, the same blood saved everyone. And thank God for the blood of Jesus. Um, all of the other things can just be physical things where people get into hatred because of the color of people's skin or where people are from, nationalities, all of those kind of things. And it's all Satan at work breeding hatred in people. It's amazing. You can have people that have different colors. They hate each other. Then you can have people of the same color who hate each other. Then you can have people in the same country that hate each other. And we know all about that. Um, and, but you know the reality of it is is that Jesus paid the price for all and as a believer when you come into the church you know what we get a different um, we get a different set of eyes and you know the gospel is to be preached to all creatures not some so we're not meant to be selective when it comes to preaching the gospel but again there's the Gentile there's the Jew and there is the church okay now when you look at Daniel's 70 week and when you look in the book of Daniel all of these prophecies are concerning the Jewish people okay and we'll see that again this evening and people say well where's the church well you know when you look at end time prophecy and you get into even the book of Revelations it's amazing after the first couple of chapters when it talks about the church who were present there at that time okay in John's day then once you get into chapter 4, John is caught up into heaven in, the re in that revelation, in that vision, and you don't see the church right until the end of the, the book of Revelations again. Why? Because the church is not part of the tribulation, okay? So you don't see the church during the tribulation period. Once the rapture happens, you know, there's 144,000 Jews who are saved, 12,000 12, out of each tribe, and they become the evangelists during the tribulation period we're not even mentioned because we're the church where are we we've been raptured amen and we're in heaven so when you look at daniel it's showing prophecy concerning the jewish people okay because the church wasn't even thought of the church was a mystery in god it wasn't until do you remember jesus said i will build my church that was the first time they'd even heard of that, the church, okay? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then the church, as we know, it started on the day of Pentecost, okay? And it ends with the rapture of the church. Now, when we go back to Daniel, it's prophecy concerning the Jewish people. And then many people want to slip us in as well because we're so church-minded, but you have to be able to divide the word that it is. Sometimes it's speaking to the Gentile. Sometimes it's speaking to the Jew. And sometimes it's speaking to the church. So when you come to the epistles, the epistles are all to the church. Praise God. They're the letters to the church. 
Now, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. His character never changes. So we can learn from old to new. We can see the nature and the character of God. We can see salvation right from Genesis and follow it the whole way through because it's the same God. It's prophesying the same Messiah who would come and die for all. Okay? So um, we don't chuck our half of our Bible in the bin. You need the Bible. You need the whole Bible to be able to understand it. But you live in your covenant. Amen? But you need to be able to see God because God is the same person, old and new. But you have to be able to filter through your covenant. Amen. Now, let's look over in Daniel here for a bit. And in verse, let me just look here, Daniel chapter 9. And in verse 9 it says here, in the first year of his reign, this is talking about Darius, you'll see that in verse 1. It says, I, Daniel, understood by books... The number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish, look at that, 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So what it starts here, what it's shown is that Daniel is reading, and Daniel starts understanding why they are actually in Babylon in the first place. Do you remember that they were taken captive, okay? And Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah and other scriptures that I'll show here quickly in a second. And he understands, okay, I can see by the book of Jeremiah that we're actually going to be here for 70 years. So he understands beforehand how long the captivity is going to last, okay? And so he sees that we are going to be here for 70 years. And he starts to understand this. Let me tell you, the Word of God is ahead of the time, okay? It lets you know what's happening. And so he's looking and he sees, like in Jeremiah, he says he understood by books, okay? So you'll see this, why they're there. Jeremiah spoke. But you know what? He can see the principle of this, like in Exodus and Leviticus, of why they are there. And God starts to show Daniel why they are there in the first place, okay? So they are going to be there for 70 years. Why are they there for 70 years? And again, remember, this is speaking to the Jewish people. This is people that were under the law, okay? So let me just show you what he was reading here for a second. Jeremiah chapter 25. And it says here in verse 11, And this whole land... Um, shall be a desolation. And that is Jerusalem it's talking about there. And an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for how long? 70 years. Okay. Um, Jeremiah chapter 29. And it says here in verse 1, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, which were carried away captive. Okay, that's Daniel and all the rest of them, who's now down in Babylon. And it says, And to the priests and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar, see that, had carried away captive from Jerusalem down to Babylon. And it says, um, verse 10, it says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you, and I will perform my good word, to, word towards you, in causing you to return to this place, to leave Babylon and come back to Jerusalem. 
Look what it says here. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you what? An expected end. You know what? We can learn from that verse as well. That's a verse that is, is a promise from God that applies to us as well as individuals. You know, God has a good plan for your life to give you a hope, a future, and an expected end. Amen? You need to believe that God has a good plan for your life. Expect a good plan, the good plan of God for your life. Even though these people were in Babylon, God had a good plan for them. I know sometimes people find themselves in difficult situations, but you have to always remember, no matter what situation you are in, God has a good plan for your life. Amen. And it goes on here to say, Then shall you call on me. When you know God has a plan for your life, then you shall call on him. And, and uh, call on, on me, God says, and, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all of your heart, and I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And this is what Daniel does, and we'll see us in a second. That's what's happening with Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. That's why he is praying, because he's reading and he finds out, Okay, I know why we're going. To, why we're here in the first place? Okay, he knows why they're there, and then he says, "I know how, lo how long this is going to be." You are to pray. You're to seek God. Realize that God is a good plan, full of hope for your life. Start to pray. Find out what God's plan is for your life. That's what Daniel's doing. He's praying. Say, God, what's going to happen after we come out of here? Because praise God, we're not going to be here forever. Amen. And he's praying and saying, God, what is going to happen after we come out of here? That's what he's praying. Okay, that's why he's praying it. And you know, we do the same as well, because sometimes you can be in a situation, and unless you get into the Word of God, you won't find out what God has for your life. But once you find out what God has for your life, start praying about it. Amen? Start asking God, God... Yes, this is what your word says. God, what's the plan, God? God, what's the step? God, well, how do I get to where I need to be? God, because I can see you don't want me to be in this situation. You don't want me to be trapped by this, Lord. And you start praying, and God then can show you. He'll show you things through the word of God. But thank God we have the Holy Ghost and the new covenant living in us, and he can show you things to come. Amen. Amen. Because we're led and guided by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, Leviticus 25 for a second. And it's just all foundational stuff. You know, it's background stuff here, but the way they are there in the first place. And again, this is Old Testament stuff here. Look, Leviticus 25 and verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land that I give you, then shall you keep a Sabbath, a land, or into the land, keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. This is a land Sabbath. Okay, now, and under the law, they had Saturday that they set aside, okay, for a weekly Sabbath, okay? But this also is a land Sabbath. So they were meant to, I'll show you here, they are meant to work the land for six years, okay? And then the seventh, what they're meant to do is let it rest for a whole year, Okay? So it says here, verse 3, it says, Six years you shall sow the, sow the field, and six years you shall prune the vineyard and gather in the fruit. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath 
of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Okay? And thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. So you weren't meant to sow in that seventh year. So the seventh year was meant to be a rest. Look in verse 18. It says, Wherefore ye shall do my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land safely. So under the law, God told him, if you keep the law, you know what, I'm going to bring you into a promised land. You keep the law, you'll, you'll dwell in that land safely. Okay? And, and the land shall yield her fruit, and you shall eat to your full, and dwell therein in safety. In other words, what God is basically saying here, he's saying, I'm the landlord, okay? And if you do what I say, you'll stay in the land. If you don't, what's going to happen is enemies are going to come in. And what will happen is you'll be taken captive. That's really what he's telling them. That's under the law, okay? Leviticus 25 and verse 20, it says, And if you shall say, What shall we eat the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow nor gather in our increase. Then I will command, look at this, my blessing upon the sixth year. And it shall bring forth fruit for many years. Three years. Let me tell you, God knows how to look after us. God wasn't telling them, you know, to keep the land rest and you are going to starve. That's not what he was saying. Look, what God was telling them was on the sixth year, I'm going to give you a bumper harvest. And then the seventh year, you'll let the land rest. And then on the eighth year, you'll sow the land again. And then on the ninth year, you'll be back to harvest. In other words, what God was saying was, you, you trust me, I'm going to look after you. In other words, I'm going to give you a rest for a year. And I'll look after you still. You know, God was, God was still extending his amazing goodness. But they just did not believe, okay? And this is why the children of Israel were in captivity in Babylon. Leviticus 25 and verse 23. Look at this. The land shall not be sold for how long? Forever. For the land is whose? Mine. That's why it's called the holy land. I know God owns owns the earth and the fullness thereof. But do you see how we patch a land over in Jerusalem, over in Israel? That belongs to God. That's God's land. And God gave that as an inheritance to the children of Israel. And I know. Many people don't like to hear that. But biblically, that's their land. And you know what? You know in the future? Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the world during the millennial kingdom. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because that's God's land. Now in Leviticus 26, I'm not going to go through all this, but Leviticus 26 and verses 1 through 3, there was a blessing upon them. If they obeyed God, okay, and they would stay in the land, and God would abundantly bless them, protect them, look after them, okay? But if they disobeyed God, well then, you know what, there would be consequences for, for the children of Israel. And, and you see out there in Leviticus as well, Leviticus 26 verses, 20, or verses 14 through 46. Let's say it again, Leviticus 26 verses 14 through 26. Now here's part of that. Leviticus 26 and verse 32, it says, And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell thereon shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathens. 
and will draw out a sword after, uh, after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Look at that. Then shall the land enjoy her what? Sabbaths, as long as it lies desolate, and you be in your enemy's land. So God told him that the Sabbath, the seven-year year Sabbath, that was for the land. It was also a Sabbath for God. God said, let it rest. You work the land for six years, and not six years, I'm going to give you a bumper harvest for three years that will bring you right through until you sow again and then eat. What a deal. God will look after them, okay? But God was saying, that Sabbath is mine. So if you neglect that, what will happen is through time you'll end up in your enemy's land. But you know what will happen with the land? It will lie waste. And it will get its Sabbath rest. So that's what the children of Israel, that's what they dealt with, okay? Look over in Leviticus 26 again here. Look in verse 40. It says, Then if thou shalt confess thy iniquities, okay, and, thy, the, and the iniquities of thy fathers, which they trespass against me, that also um, they have walked contrary to me. So they have to confess that. And when them of God said, What I'll do is I'll remember my covenant. Not that God forgets it, but you put me in remembrance of it. And what happened is God will come and rescue them and bring them back into the land. That's the way it was. Um, do you know what? Just, just let me say this as well, because Daniel did this. Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed for the sins of his fathers and all of those things. That is a covenant. That's an old covenant mindset. Okay? It was God dealing with them as a nation. Okay? I've seen it in our generation where you have people and they're praying. They constantly keep praying for all of the sins of Ireland. Look, people have been doing that for me. got saved. Every, every conference, you know, you'd go to every revival thing you'd go to. Somebody's up confessing the sins of the nation. Praying over people we didn't know. People that are dead. And we're praying and confessing their sin. sin people are sin conscious. Thank God Jesus paid the price for all of our sin. Amen. He paid the price for sin. Look, when Paul and that went in the, in the New Covenant, what they did was they, they just went and preached the gospel. Amen. And people got saved. Amen. That's our message. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Look, people have been doing that for years. I've seen people have conferences in America where they hire out football stadiums and they say the revival's going to break out because we're going to pray for the sins of the nation. And you know what? They pray for the sins of the nation and they stay there praying for the sins of the nation and nothing happens. But I'm telling you, you see, if you took all the money that it cost to rent out that football stadium and put it into preaching the gospel, people would get saved because people are saved by hearing the gospel. This is an Old Testament mindset. Praise God. Now, 2 Chronicles 36. Now, this is all back stuff here. We're going to get into the prophecy properly here in a second. Look at verse, 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 20. It says, And then them that escaped the sword were carried away into Babylon. And it says, Where they were servants to him, and to his sons until the reign of the king of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. Okay. 
And it lets us know there then it was 70 years. So the land sat still for 70 years. Why are they in in Babylon? Why are they there? At that time it's Daniel's praying. It's under the Medes and the Persians. But why are they in that location of Babylon? Why are they there? Because the land didn't have her Sabbath rest. So 490 years, that was the equivalent of 70 Sabbaths. And that's why they were there for 70 years, okay? So they're there for 70 years, right? And so um, it's just like, you know, this verse here that's very popular over in Matthew 20, or Matthew 18, verse um, 21. It says, Then Peter said unto me, How long, or how oft shall I, um, shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? And he said to 70 times, and he thought that was a great number. And Jesus turned around and said unto him, No, until 70 times 70. And what's that 70 times 70 is what? 490 times. Okay? Again, that goes along with that. That's why the children of Israel, for 490 years, God God put up with it. And then after that, then they went into Babylon. The land rested for how long? For 70 years. Okay? So what Daniel is, that's the backdrop, okay, to Daniel's 70 weeks. So what Daniel starts doing is he has read from the book of Jeremiah. So he starts praying. He's seeking God. He's like, God, I know that there's a plan for us. This is not the end. I think that's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it great to know that no matter what you're facing, that is not the end for you? Amen. Amen. It's good to know that God has an expected end for your life. Believe God for it. Confess it over your life. Don't settle for where you are. Sometimes people hit something and then they stay in that vein for so long that they become comfortable with it and they think this is all it is. No, find out from the word that God has a good plan for your life. And then what to do? Start to expect it. Start to pray. Start to seek God. Amen? And start to confess that plan of God over your life. And so this is what Daniel is doing. And so he's praying and he's asking God. And then, you know, Gabriel um, comes with a message for him. And um, let me just look down to verse 22 here. Just Daniel 9 verse 22. It says, And he informed me and talked with me. This is Gabriel. And said, O Daniel, I am come um, forth to give thee skill and understanding. Okay, this is for the future. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly what? Beloved. Amen. Do you know that you're loved of God? Amen. Praise God. You need to know that you are loved of God. Right in the middle of captivity, Daniel needed to know that he was loved of God. Praise God. You are loved. God hasn't abandoned you. Look, whenever Daniel prayed, while he was praying, Gabriel Gabriel came. That's how fast the answer came. Let me tell you, God hears you when you pray. And it says here in verse 24, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon, look at that, thy people. Who's thy people? Who's Daniel's people? The Jews. The Jews, okay. So it's not speaking here to the church. This is speaking to the Jews, to thy people and to thy holy city. What's thy holy city? Jerusalem. Okay. So this prophecy concerns the Jewish people and it concerns Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, Jerusalem is the place to look when it comes to Bible prophecy. It's amazing how people want to look to America. 
And they go looking for America in the Bible. And go looking for America in the book of Revelation. You won't find it. Why? Because everything zeroes back into Jerusalem. Okay? Everything starts centering around Jerusalem. And here's what the prophecy is about. It's to finish the transgression and to make an end for sins, to make reconciliation for the iniquities, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, it says 70 weeks are determined, okay? 70 weeks. Now, this is where you have to think for a bit here, because when you talk about 70 weeks, what is a week in the Bible? Now, we think of a week, when we say week, we think of, you know what? Monday to, to Sunday, okay? That's what we think of a week. And it is a week. Because what a week means is a group of sevens. That's what a, that's what a week is. So you can have a week of days. You can have a week of months. Do you know all the Jewish um, you know, things that they did, to sacrifice all of their days, all of those kind of things, they were in a seven-month period. So you can have a week of months, okay? You can have a week of years. Because that's a, that's a week, okay? It's like if somebody's seven years of age, that's a week, okay? Alexis is turning 14 in a few months. That is two weeks. That is two sets of seven years. It's a group of sevens. Okay, which makes a year. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, now that's when you think about this, because we think weeks, when it says um, seven, or 70 weeks are determined upon the people, it's not talking about 70 weeks of days. It's talking about 70 weeks of years, which is 490 years. Okay, if you can't figure that out, don't worry about it. Okay, here's the answer. Here comes the converter tonight, okay? That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to convert all of these weeks and all of these numbers into the actual years, okay? So it is 490 years. In other words, what God is letting Daniel know here through Gabriel is this. It took us 490 years to get into this situation, okay? You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. After you get out of captivity, I'm giving you another 490 years of time, okay? Is that time for the Jews or is that time for the church? Jews. It's for the Jews. It's concerning thy people and thy holy city, okay? So Daniel knows there's a point here where there's going to be a countdown of 490 years and that is going to count down all of Jewish time, okay? The Jewish time from that point of coming out of captivity is 490 years, okay? That's all the time the Jewish people were allotted from God. That is their time, okay? We're in church time, okay? It's completely different. Praise God. Um, you know, you can look at all of those things with sevens and st stuff like that. The root word for that mean it means to seven oneself. It means to be complete. It's just like, what does a doctor give you a pres prescription? He gives you it for many, seven days. Why? Because that's a cycle. Okay. And then if you need another prescription to give you it for how long? Another seven days. 
as groups of seven, okay? This is not seven of days. This is seven of years, okay? Um, I can show you that in Scripture. Let me, let me just show a couple of these here things. But look, look at Ezra 4 and verse 6. I'm not going to read through all that. Look at it. It says, 40 days, okay? At the end of it, I have appointed thee each day for a what? A year. See, that's a Bible principle. Each day for a year. So a day represents a year, okay? That's the way it is with Daniel's prophecy. Do you remember when the children of Israel went in to spy out the land? Numbers 14 and verse 34. They were there for 40 days, okay? Span out the land. And it says there each day for a year, they ended up in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. So every day represented a, a year. Okay, that's a Bible principle. Um, do you remember Jacob? Do you remember he worked seven years for Laban to get Rachel? Do you remember that? Um, Genesis 29 and verse 18, it says, And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years. Okay? He served for seven years for Rachel, and then on the wedding night, he got the ugly duckling. Okay? It was Leah in the tent. Okay? But he loved Rachel so much that he worked for another seven years to get her. But Laban said, see, that first seven years, that seven years was for Leah. Now you're going to have to work another seven years because that's the way we do it in our culture. You're going to have to work another seven years for Rachel. And he loved Rachel so much that you know what? He worked for no seven years to get her. Thank God we didn't live in them times, amen? <laughs> look at this here, but look what it said. Um, Genesis 27, or 29, verse 27. Look at this here. Fulfill her what? Week. One week was seven years. You understand that? Yes. Now, if you don't get it, that's okay. But it's just, I'm just showing, when the Bible talks about a week, it is just talking about a group of seven. That can be seven days, or that can be seven years, okay? When you look at Daniel's prophecy, 70 weeks is actually not weeks of days, but weeks of years, and it equals 490 years, okay? Now, let's just look at this prophecy for a second. And there's only a couple of verses, but it cuts out the, the greatest prophecy in the Old Testament, Okay, awesome prophecy. Look what it says here, Daniel 9 and verse 24. Again, 70 weeks are determined. Determined means cut out of time. So these 490 years, it's like they're cut out of time for the Jewish people, okay? For upon thy people and thy holy city. And it says to finish the transgression, exactly, etc. Let me just read that in the um, New Living Translation for a second here. In verse um, 24, it says, A period of se 70 sets of seven have been decreed for your people 
and for your holy city to finish the rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for the guilt, and to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. It's talking about the most holy place. They're talking about the holy of holies. What is it talking about here? It is saying when this vision is fulfilled, you know what? All, all sin will be dealt with. Let me tell you that you will have eternal righteousness. Praise God. You go into the millennial kingdom. It's given them vision right up until the millennial kingdom. And that's what it's looking at. You, know, you think of the Jewish people. Think of everything that they have committed. In it. You know, think of even Jesus going to the cross. And yet when this vision is fulfilled, let me tell you, all of that is paid for. Awesome. Do you know at the end of the tribulation period, it says that all Israel shall be saved. There will be a remnant of Jews and all of them will be saved on that day. Praise God. Not every Jew in the world, not every... Some people are teaching that at the minute. Some people are teaching at the minute, if you're a Jew, you're automatically saved. That's not true. Let me tell you, Paul had to get saved. Amen. But on that day, they all will be saved. Amen. Um, But you know what? I love this here for us. Because once you have received Jesus, you already have eternal righteousness. Amen. As a believer, we have righteousness. Thank God, because we made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. But what it's shown here is everything will be accomplished. Everything will be sorted by the time they get to the end of this 70-week prophecy, okay? Now, let me break this down here. Look at um, verse 25. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment, look, to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. So he starts breaking this down. Let me just break down the first part of it here, okay? Well, actually, do you know what I'll do first? I'm going to read this through first. And we'll see what way we go here. Let me just read this through first. And I want to show an image here that will help us understand it. It says, Now therefore no one understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. Who's Messiah the Prince? Jesus. Okay. Shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So it's saying seven weeks and 62 weeks. Okay. It says, the streets shall be built again and the walls, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks, um, shall the Messiah be cut off. In other words, Jesus is going to die. What a prophecy. God told Daniel that the Messiah was going to come on a certain day, a certain time. And the Messiah would be killed. That shouldn't shock us because Isaiah 53 said the same thing. He is wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely our um, chastisements was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. He's wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. Prophesied beforehand, before he ever came. And it says, And the people of the prince that shall come, That's not Jesus, that is a small p. It's talking about the Antichrist here. Shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And it says, and on to the end 
of, uh, of the war desolations are determined. And he, talking about this prince that will come with a small p, the, anti, the Antichrist, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And he'll commit, you know, the abomination of desolation. So God is telling Daniel, you've got 70 weeks which equals out, translates into 490 years. So he said there's going to be a starting point to this, and it's going to count down 490 years until you enter into then the millennial kingdom. That's what he's showing here, okay? Now, let me just show you this image here for a second, because it's broken down into um, seven weeks, okay? Seven weeks equals at the top, you can see it, 49 years, okay? Then the next image is 62 weeks, which equals 434 years, okay? And then you have the last week, and that equals seven years, okay? When you break this down. What is he showing us here? He's showing, first of all, the first part, what it's showing is, there would be a command given, okay? And when that command was given, what would happen would be the walls of Jerusalem would start to be built again because it was ransacked whenever Nebuchadnezzar, when they took the children of Israel, you know what, out of um, um, Jerusalem, the place was wrecked, okay? And so it needs to be rebuilt. See, God's shown, I still have a plan for Jerusalem, even though it's land in ruins, I'm not finished with it. Praise God. And it's good to know if a person's ever land in ruins that God's not finished with them. Amen? And so the command came forth, and you can see this command that came forth in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 2 where King Artaxas, um, I might not be pronouncing that right, but you can see that when he gave the command, remember Nehemiah was, was sad before the king, and the king says, what's wrong with you? And that was a horrible thing to do because the king could kill you in that situation. But he was, he was so hurting on the inside because he, he, of the condition of Jerusalem. But you know what? He was able to get favor. Praise God when you get favor from the king. Amen. And he was able to get materials and all of those things. And they went back and they built the walls. Do you know when the command was given? It started to count down a timer from 490 years. It starts counting down, okay? After 49 years, the walls are built. Jerusalem is back, amen? That's what it's showing, or the walls are built. But the time keeps going. And it takes off another 434 years, okay? And after 434 year, four years, what happens? It was on to who? Messiah the Prince. Amen. Do you know people have calculated this out? I'm not, I, you know what? I could give you, given enough figures tonight as it is. Okay, but this is all in history. You can look at this in history. You, people have added all of this up. People who do all of these things. Do you know what happened after, see, at 49 years? Then it ticked down to four, another 434 years, which together, when you add that together, is 483 years. From the command went forward to rebuild the walls until Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey as the king was 483 years to the day. 
you know when the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made? That was their day. And the Bible says that they missed their visitation. They missed it. You think, how did they miss it? The Bible told us that the Messiah would ride in 483 days to the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. You remember that story? And the Bible told us that in the Old Testament as well. It let us know that in Zechariah 9 and verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes. Amen. And how did he come? On a donkey. And Jesus came in fulfilling it. You wonder how they missed it, don't you? But the Bible said they missed it. They missed their day of visitation. They missed it. They missed their opportunity. So you have there, it's simpler. I don't have that image up again. But you know, you have with that image what a showing is. The walls built. What a showing then is to Messiah the Prince. And then it gave one more week. Or seven years. How many you know after Jesus was killed and rose again? It's been, a longer, it's been longer than a week. Or seven years. How many you know that? That's... We know that. So what's, what's the deal? Well, the deal is they didn't see something in the Old Testament that we see in the New Testament. And that is what? The church. Why? Because the church was something that nobody thought about, only God. Paul the Apostle brought the revelation of the church. And Paul said... Behold, I show you a mystery. That's what the church is. The church is a mystery. Something that wasn't known in the Old Testament. Something that Daniel didn't know. Something that Jeremiah didn't know. Or any of the prophets in the Old Testament. They did not know about this. And so in Daniel chapter 9, look what it says here. And after three score and two weeks, in other words, after Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, they're going to, they're going to reject him. And it says, and Messiah shall be cut off. But look at that, but not for himself. Who was he cut off for? For us. He was cut off for the world. Jesus died for the world. And then it says, and the people of the prince that shall come. The prince that shall come is a small p here. This is not Jesus. So Messiah the prince is cut off. Then it talks about the people of the prince who shall come. It's talking about the Antichrist. And the people of the prince was who? The Romans. And what is shown here is 70 AD, that Jerusalem would be destroyed. Okay? Do you know, after Jesus rose from the dead, 38 years later, Titus, the general, the Roman general, came in and attacked Jerusalem, and that took months, but finally they took over Jerusalem, and the Jewish people have been dispersed throughout the world. But in 1948, they came back again as a nation. And bit by bit, the Jewish people have been coming back, bit by bit, to Jerusalem again. And Jerusalem is, or and Israel is a nation again, but they still don't have full control of that land. Okay? So the people of the prince, the Romans, destroyed Jerusalem. Okay? The prince is the Antichrist who will head up the revised Roman Empire. 
Okay? And that's what it's talking about here. Okay? Verse 27, it says, And he, this is this prince, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for how long? One week. This is the last week of Daniel's prophecy, which is future. One week is seven years. What are those seven years? That is the tribulation period, okay? Which is yet to come, which is seven years. Who is the tribulation for? It's for thy people, not for the church. Amen? Amen? It's not for the church. And he's going to make a covenant for seven years. And in the middle of it, it lets us know here he's going to break it. Paul brings this out. Jesus brings this out in the New Testament. Okay? Let me just show you this here. If you look at that first one as the walls being built, okay? And then the one behind it as Messiah the Prince, okay? And then the last one as... The tribulation period, that was like Daniel looking down through time and God saying, here's what's going to happen. He's watching like a domino effect, okay? But we can look back in time based on Scripture because we've more Scripture today, okay? We've got the new covenant. And if you take this and instead of looking down time, if you turn it sideways, okay? Look at the next image. We can see that tucked in behind that Messiah, the Prince, was a mystery that nobody's seen. Daniel couldn't see it because he's looking down. God didn't reveal it to him. So he thought that 490 years would just tick right down, okay? And you would just go one after another, okay? But you see, after Messiah the Prince, the people rejected Jesus. They rejected their king. But God had a mystery that nobody knew of, and that was the church. Do you remember even on... Um, even whenever Jesus rose from the dead and the last appearance of him with the disciples, you know that they were still asking him, is the kingdom coming now? When's the kingdom coming? Because they were thinking, we're very close to the kingdom. Okay? And Jesus let them know, oh, something new's coming. And on the day of Pentecost, they realized we're in something completely new. They were in the church. Amen? There was a gap in Daniel's prophecy from the 69th week and the 70th week, okay? And there was a gap, and that's where the church is. The church was in that gap, okay? In other words, you could look at it this way. There's a gap between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. It has been over 2,000 years. And things are getting closer to Jesus rapturing us out of here. And you see, when we are raptured, once the church is raptured out of here, do you know what, know what takes off? Daniel's last week of that prophecy. Seven years. There's still seven years of Jewish time to be fulfilled. Not church time. Jewish time. Okay? It's like, you know, there's many things that you can look at. I'll, I'll, just for time, I'll talk this out. You know, it's like, do you remember... Um, do you remember the Old, the Old Testament prophet, prophecy and um, talking about the Messiah coming in Isaiah 60, 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then the end of that, it says, the day of vengeance of our God. Do you remember whenever Jesus went to his hometown and he asked for the scroll and he read that out? Do you know that when he got to that part of the vengeance of our God, what did he do? He closed the book. 
I've heard that taught over the years that as he is preaching, the people got so angry they ripped the book out of his hand. No, the Bible says Jesus closed the book and he gave it back to the minister. It tells us that in the Word of God. He stopped on purpose. Do you know why? Because there is a big gap between Jesus coming, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and coming in the vengeance of our God. The vengeance of our God doesn't come to the end of the tribulation. So there was a difference between Jesus coming and his first coming and his second coming. In other words, a gap in between is not something that's unheard of in Scripture. Okay? We're in that gap at the minute, and that is why the church. Amen? Let me just show you these three slides and we'll close this evening. Here's the first one. This is Daniel 70 weeks, okay? Prophecy here. When the command went forth for the walls to be rebuilt, that was for those first seven weeks. It counted down for 49 years. After 49 years, the walls are rebuilt, okay? And then it just keeps going. After another 434 years are a total of 483 years, Messiah the Prince rides into Jerusalem. Okay? The people reject him. Then Messiah is cut off. And God goes, pause. Okay? What God did next, nobody expected. Out came God's secret weapon <laughs> that nobody thought of. Praise God, the devil didn't know. Nobody knew. And I'm telling you, that's what we're part of the church. So God brought out another stopwatch. And that stopwatch started on the day of Pentecost. And it has been ticking for 2,000 plus years. But one of these days, God's going to hit pause and we are going to be raptured out of here. The pause on that is the rapture of the church. And God's going to go back to that Jewish clock again. And in that Jewish clock, there's seven years left. And he's going to tick that off. And that is the tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes back in Revelations chapter 19. And he sets up the millennial kingdom, which will be a thousand year reign. Amen. This last um, one, and I'll close here this evening. There's a, an old way of just putting it across there. You had the walls rebuilt. Then on to Messiah the Prince. Then the Messiah was cut off at the cross. Okay. Then we had on the day of Pentecost, we had the church, praise God, started. We're still in it. We're at the very end of it. Okay. Then that arrow going up is us in the rapture of the church, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Then while we're up in heaven for seven years, praise God, the tribulation period has taken place and we're not there because we are not appointed unto wrath. That is not church time. It's part of Daniel's 70 week prophecy. It is the last week of Daniel's 70 week prophecy. Those last seven years. Amen. We come back with Jesus. Amen. In Revelations chapter 19. And Jesus sets up his kingdom which will be for a thousand years, praise God. And then after the thousand years, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to be with God for eternity. The Bible says that the, the heavenly Jerusalem is going to come down to earth 
And it gives you the image of that coming down at the end of the book of Revelations. Praise God. Amen. And we're going to be with God forever and forever and forever. But here's what many times people want to do. People want to put us in that tribulation period. And that is not church time. That is Jewish time. Amen. Let me tell you something else as well. See that arrow going up there? I don't care how good of a Christian you are. If you're in Christ, you're going up. It is not based on how good you are. People are teaching at the minute, hearing it all in the body of Christ the minute, that you have to live up to a standard to go up there. No, you need to be in Christ to go up there. That is for everyone who is in Christ. It is not based on your goodness. It is not based on how good a Christian you are. How good do you have to be? It's not about how good you are. It's about who you're in. And when you're in Christ, praise God, you're going up. Amen. Praise God.